0: Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast for anyone who's ever felt the nagging frustration of wondering if her life is too small, too boring, or too ordinary to make a difference.
1: We're here to explore the surprising ways that cultivating ordinary life leads to extraordinary stories. I'm
0: Lisa Jo, tea drinker, lawyer in another life, and South African by birth if you're wondering about the accent. I have three very loud kids, a husband who's never run through an airport to stop me getting on a flight, and I write about
1: how to love your middle, the years and the muffin top both. And I'm Christy. Once upon a time, I got my PhD in English Lit, planning on a particular kind of life. But a few years later, I traded the classroom for a picket-fenced garden and an old farmhouse. Today I write books, books about the beauty of the ground beneath my feet. I also grow zucchini my four kids refuse to eat. As always, we are recording out in Pennsylvania at Christie's hundred-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. That's currently covered in scaffolding because of all the places it's falling apart. (laughs) Don't forget the holes in the porch. I know, and the smell of mushroom farms and manure. Right, because
0: when we say out of the ordinary, we mean it. Our friendship, this farmhouse, and all our conversations grew out of small, ordinary, everyday moments.
1: Because really, the truth is that everything big starts small. Get comfy. Here we go. We're here recording at Maplehurst, and it's chaos. <laughs> I can hear literally the hammers and the saws. And this place is a dream come true, but It's hard for me to remember that. So I was thinking about the story you shared last week about the bricks falling off the wall. (laughs) My
0: fake bricks in my tiny kitchen in my rental house that popped off the wall.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. You want me to talk about those?
1: I do. I want to hear more about that. I feel like there's something in that story that I need.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because this place where we're recording, it's beautiful. It really is. But there's scaffolding everywhere. It's a work in progress. There is a lot of dirt dust and I couldn't even hug Christy's husband hello when I arrived cuz he's so covered in like yeah. I don't even know what it is grime dirt paint sweat wood chips probably lead paint let's <laughs> just be honest cuz of what he's stripping off the porch. <laughs> yes and so gosh that kitchen in that rental house so this was in North Northern Virginia in Springfield we lived for 5 years in a very tiny rental house and it I mean you know all the qualifications. Of course, we learned so many things. It was wonderful. I have nothing against rental houses. Blah blah blah. And yet, it was a very uncomfortable space to be in. It was not beautiful. We had three tiny kids. There was carpet under our dining room table. Which, if you have children under oh, the age of, i so sorry, it so
1: bad. It was,
0: I just let's just say we did not get our security deposit back <laughs> when we moved out of that house. It had this tiny kitchen. And as you know, as a mother, if you're a mom, you spend so much time in the kitchen, like you're making the milk and the formula and the mm-hmm. baby puree food and you're washing the bottles. And I would just spend hours in that kitchen. And it had these weird so the kitchen was made out of, I don't even know the words. I wish John was here speaking now. Like, it's like wood. What's what's that called? It's like.
1: like paneling. It's
0: paneling. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it, the house is not built of brick, right? right it's like the wood right. framing, the yeah. way they do houses yeah. here, mostly in the U.S. And I guess to add some feeling of decor or artiness, <laughs> or, I don't know. <laughs> Make it seem more solid than it was. Maybe. <laughs> whoever had designed this home decades back had used these plastic faux red bricks and had super glued them onto the wall i guess they clicked together i can't so believe they were plastic they were totally plastic oh. and the first one and so i guess under pressure and age and whatnot mm. they would just pop off it was very <laughs> shocking the first time one happened i was like oh, what's happening and then i told peter like the house hates us the house is like rejecting us we're too chaotic we're too loud we're too noisy even for this poor tiny house they would just pop off the wall and then underneath them would just be raw plaster and like gross glue left yeah. over from where they had tried to attach it so i spent many hours in this kitchen with my popping bricks my hands in the sink washing bottles for Mm. hours and I would stand at that sink often late at night longing for something else anything else than what I had yeah and what I had at the time was like three children under the age of six a long commute to a job I did not enjoy I was not fulfilled by but it provided food for our family It was an intense season that anyone with tiny children knows is just very hard. It feels like you can't breathe. And I would stand at that sink and long for something else. I wanted something else. This was not what I wanted. And it was so easy to just be filled up with bitterness. And as I was standing there one night, it's. It's weird where your mind goes when you're washing dishes, right? (laughs) I'm standing there washing dishes. My mind is kind of just spiraling the way it does. I'm thinking about Netflix shows or the ice cream I wish I was eating or the weight I can't lose or (laughs) bank balance. This is too low. And then bam, suddenly the memory I'm in the middle of is in Zimbabwe, okay? It's the new millennial. It's like about to switch over Ah, from 1999 to 2000. It's supposed to be the end of the
1: world. Yeah, I remember that night well. (laughs) Where were you when that happened? I was in Northern Virginia, which is weird because I would have been just a few miles from where this house House with the fake bricks. Yeah, yeah. We lived there then.
0: we were in Zimbabwe. I'm from South Africa originally, so I have this accent that comes and goes. And Peter and I had just gotten married in the States in August, and then we had moved We hadn't moved. We had traveled home to South Africa for Christmas and to kind of celebrate with our South African family, to have a reception there and to make the marriage official in South Africa. And what we had done as part of that trip is go up to Zimbabwe for a week of vacation with friends who lived there. And it was a game farm, this huge, beautiful game farm. And they did a lot of photo safaris where you could come and take pictures of the animals. We stayed at this game farm with good old friends of my dad's. And it was, you know, it's it was really an out of Africa kind of place. Mm. Like you would have loved it, Chrissy. Mm. First of all, it's like a billion degrees. December is, the, is midsummer. <laughs> oh,
1: I forgot. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. so
0: hot. There's no AC though. Oh, wow. It's all like these cool cement floors. Mm. A billion degrees. I remember vividly, it's such classic British culture that we've inherited over there. Like in the middle of the afternoon at four o'clock, hottest time of the day, everybody sits down to tea. To tea, hot Hot tea. tea, Okay, (laughs) hot tea. And I remember we were preparing to have all these friends over to celebrate the new year, and we had set up tables outside in the garden. You say yard here. Garden yeah. means where you grow things. Yeah. In South Africa, garden means the lawn. Your yard. Yeah. So we had set up these long picnic tables, all the food, all the plates, all the forks, everything set up outside because we were trying to be a little bit cooler and because there were so many people coming over. Now, at that point, Zimbabwe was in the middle of a terrible drought. It mm-hmm. hadn't rained for months and months and months. It was incredibly dry. Animals were dying. Crops were dying. It was a very dire time so here i am in northern virginia standing washing dishes picturing myself back in zimbabwe so how much time has passed so in it's from 99 and here i am now it's like 2007 2008 so quite a long time later but i i vividly remember that night we sat down to dinner Please picture with me, if you will, these grizzled farmers who are surviving out there, who are in the heat of the day, who are trying to make a living in a very brutal climate. And they are all sitting down to dinner. And the first course, I'll never forget this because it seemed so weird to me. You would probably like this. It was cold cucumber soup. Oh, sure. Do you call that gazpacho
1: is well, you not? do if it's tomato. But, oh, so it wasn't tomato. But yeah, it was the, cucumber. It was yeah. green. That also seems very British to me. Does cold it? Cucumber cold cucumber soup. soup. Yeah. I remember thinking, what are they feeding us? This is yeah. so weird.
0: We sit down to this beautifully laid table on this lawn under the African night sky. It's so picturesque. We take the first bites of the soup. And as we start to eat it, the heavens open, rain pours uh, down. I'm not talking like a light drizzle. Like gushing huge giant raindrops. I have this vivid picture in my mind of the cucumber soup splashing back up uh, <laughs> at us because of the rain landing in the soup. Wow. And I stand up to like rush into the house cuz that's what you're supposed to do. And I look down the table and every single one of these men and their wives are just sitting eating cucumber soup in a rainstorm. It's splashing into their beards. It's all over their like khaki clothing. (laughs) And they're just eating the soup and the rain is torrential. And I look at my dad and I yell over the noise of the rain. Like, what are they doing? Why don't they come inside? Like, what's happening? And my dad said these words to me. They have prayed for rain for so long. They are not going to get up now that the rain has come and they just sat there drenched in their answered prayers. And I stood at my window in Northern Virginia with my hands in a sink full of dishes, and I was just overcome with this feeling of, oh my goodness, it's raining around me, and I want to run out from under it. Like, here I am in this marriage that God has restored that went through a really hard season. Here I am with these three children. i begged God for. Here I am with the first beginnings of pouring out my pitcher of water that I talked about in episode one. Oh, my goodness, here I am, like, in the rain that I prayed for, and all I want to do is run for cover to the next thing. I I can't wait to get to the next thing. Mm. And I'm telling you, that moment for me was such a pivotal experience to stand there and think, oh, I am so quick to want to long for what comes next, that I forget to long for what is right now. And I think that's what you and I are trying to learn together through these conversations about how everything big starts small. Sometimes we forget that what we have right now that seems small is actually quite a big thing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was smaller, you know, years back and now it's grown into something, but we're so quick to rush on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so I keep trying to figure out this practice of not just longing for the future, but actually learning to long for the present. So, that's my Zimbabwe story. My rainstorm cucumber soup sink full of dishes moment where I was like, I need to long for what I already have.
1: That is so great. So, yeah, I don't even know if you could have realized in me asking you to tell that story, Not just what this week has been like, but these months, and honestly, these six years since we came to Maplehurst, which is the answer to our prayers and our dream come true. But this place has not looked really good since we arrived. (laughs) I mean, for the first three years, it was all decay, slow decay, and then quicker and quicker. And for three years now, we've been slowly restoring bits and pieces. Um, But the past few weeks, the past months, um, have been especially hard, and it's been hard for me to remember... That my prayers have already been answered. Mm. That it's hard for me to remember how much I wanted. I wanted this place, but actually, so your story reminds me of um, something that happened this week. Uh, so it's August now. So it's summer. It's hot. It's, it's humid. So hot. We're still. We're still very much in the thick of summer. But there are yellow leaves all over the lawn outside. And they're from the these we have these really antique, very old cherry trees. And cherry trees start dropping their leaves before other trees do. So it's perfectly normal. I don't think they're under stress. We've had a lot of rain. But anyway, the lawn is covered in in yellow leaves. And I remembered how when we first moved here six years ago, it was August first. And one of the first things I noticed were these yellow leaves fluttering through the air. And you were coming from Florida, I was right? coming from Florida. And all I had wanted for two years was yeah. seasons. And here I was, August 1st, still summer, really. I hadn't been looking for it. But there was the answer to my prayer. Like There was, I could see Tangible autumn. Tangible evidence. I knew, and I looked around and I knew every tree on this property was going to start to change and turn colors and be beautiful and fall. And then would come winter and snow and I was so hungry, even for snow and cold weather. So I Thought of that this week. I saw these yellow leaves and I remembered what they'd meant to me that day, that first August, and how they had been, you know, what I was longing for. And it was so good to remember that and to say, I still long for fall. I'm still looking forward to fall. And here it is, and it's coming. And the house is a mess. It's such a mess. But I still have so much. Right. I mean, so many answered prayers right, right. now. Like, I
0: mean, you re- you're living through your own rainstorm. Like, actually, right. you're a mess right now. So, you, if you were looking out the windows where we're sitting, there's a barn. You had a barn raising this week. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. That's half completed now. Yeah. This huge vegetable garden, this huge flower garden, kids that you prayed for yes. that you didn't think yeah. you'd be able to have. I mean, you. So, what What looks like chaos right. is actually the evidence right. of a rainstorm it is. that you're in the middle of. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Christy and I spend a lot of time trying to remind one another, which is really an act of faith, like looking back to say, what is it that I ask God for that I'm actually in the middle of right now? Mm-hmm. Because so much of my life and my orientation, the world around me, the messages I receive are about longing for what's next. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't think that's inherently bad in any right. way. I think hope is really important. Yeah. We set goals, we talk about invitations, like yeah. where are we headed? Those things are important.
1: Those desires can carry us forward, forward. into, you know, the plans God has for us. So we should right. pay attention to that. But if they yeah. become
0: our singular focus, if they are the mm. only thing we are defining ourselves by, we are missing out entirely on the season we are currently in that is itself a gift because of things we prayed for in the past. Mm. And so, that's become one of the disciplines I try to exercise. And it's hard. I mean, you know, Christy, I've been up here complaining left, right, and center about what I want next (laughs) what I think I deserve and how unfair things are. Mm. And then I have to remind myself that was the same version of me standing in a kitchen in a rental house saying Mm. what I deserve and what I want next and how unfair Mm. it is and if i could just look up into the heavens and realize mm-hmm. i'm actually in the middle of a rainstorm mm-hmm. i mean that's so crazy it's mm-hmm. so crazy and it's it's difficult to recognize but i think once we get into the discipline of it of actually paying attention to it it changes the right now so
1: yeah i was going to ask how do we how do we do it yeah, what does <laughs> so, it look like yeah how do you do, how do you do it right. you, you said pay attention but there's more think, to it i do think that
0: when i have these longings that rise up in me for mm-hmm. what comes next. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at them not just as arrows that point to the future, but as arrows that direct me back to the past. Oh. Right. So like my longings for what come next need to remind me of longings that have been fulfilled. Because That is where my hope resides. It doesn't actually reside in the future. It resides in what has already happened in mm-hmm. my life. Those are the cornerstones I can build my future on. Mm-hmm. And so I try to follow kind of like a little rope through the mist backwards in time, these longings to where they originated, because I can look at my life now and say, oh, wow, I I thought I would live in a rental house forever. I mean, you guys should know about me. I'm turning 44 this month. My husband and I bought our first home the year I turned 40. Mm-hmm. We lived in, I don't know, nine different rental houses between the time we got married and and the time we turned 40. And that, that was the journey we were on and I finally figured out a way to make my peace with it. I just assumed we wouldn't own a home. We would always rent. And so, Here we live now in a house I love so much and that I'm allowed to paint the walls and have nail holes and not feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. But it's so quick for me, so easy for me to start thinking about, ah, this house is not enough and what I want to add to the Mm -hmm. house and what I want to change to the house and what I want to do differently to the house. And those are arrows pointed forward. And if I can just follow back where they were shot from, if I can just trace my steps back, I can remember a sense of longing for what I have right now.
1: Mm -hmm. So paying attention, remembering. I like that though about following the longing back like an arrow. Hmm. So when I think about the porch that's under construction now, I remember my longing for a front porch to gather on, like mm. a place to gather. But we have that. We're gathering all the time here. <laughs> the thing that is hard for me is that it doesn't nothing's finished or perfect or, you know, as beautiful as I want it to be. But Maybe I'm the only one that sees that. I don't know.
0: I mean, I feel that way every time I arrive and you and John apologize for the state of the house. (laughs) I'm like, what are you talking about? It's gorgeous. Let me get out my phone and Instagram everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think that future longing can be a bit of a a sinking sand if we're not careful because it's easy to walk into it and then just get sucked in by all the things we want until we can't even breathe. At least that's how it feels for me. And I know... Even though I get older and I should know better, I am deeply prone to just disappearing under the sinking sand of all of my longings that are often that things other people have that I think I want or I need or I'm entitled to. I have, I think, a dangerous sense of entitlement to what we think mm. is should be ours based on what stage we're in, you mm-hmm, know? When Pete mm-hmm. and I were renting all those years in our late 30s, I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Mm. Like, I'm a grown woman. I have three children. I work in a career. Why can't I own a house? Like, yeah. what is wrong with me? I am entitled now to have a house. This is house season. Give me my house. Mm. Which is not a bad thing to want. Everybody wants one at some point. And I've talked to enough people over the years to know how difficult it is to be in a season of long-term renting. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that entitlement is so dangerous because, like sinking sand, it just chokes the joy and the oxygen and the air out of what you have right
1: now. I think the irony is that if you're not paying attention to what you have right now and appreciating what you have today— then you, uh, you've you've like cut off the path to the very thing you want. You've cut off the the access to the future you want. So if everything big starts small, if we're not taking care of the small things, and we know this is true, like in a spiritual sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we have our our talents that we're given or whatever that we're meant to be stewards of. But maybe just practically, this is how it works: that the small things we're tending today. Are what will carry us forward. I think this is what we've talked about in the last episode will carry us forward into the things we're dreaming of. So if we are not tending today's small things, if you didn't. If you haven't listened, guys,
0: if you haven't listened to episode one, go back and learn about Christy's handful of grass seeds. Because if you hadn't taken care of those grass seeds and then your tiny patio of plants, how on earth would she yeah. be taking care of this? Cuz that size was me becoming
1: that was me becoming a gardener, right? That was you growing um, into that. It required that those that small tending. So, and okay, I, this is helpful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and I know you're never going to get from us guys like here are the three steps to do this. Here are the goals. Here are the bullet points. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> we're we're way too circular in our thinking and everything comes down to metaphor and story for us. But yeah. when I think about the stories that my life has grown into, that really hard season, what felt like a hard season in that tiny rental house, those were the years where I learned <laughs> how much I was changing because of becoming a mom, how I understood a ministry calling, how I wanted to sow into the lives of women. How that very intense
1: season birthed mm-hmm. in me mm-hmm. where I am now. Ooh, so that's good. That speaks to a frustration I can have where I feel like in, in, the, in the focusing on the dream the future, the mm. thing I want to achieve feels productive to me because I know that's where oh, I want to go. Yes. And so it feels like, okay, I'm tending that dream. I'm paying attention to it. I'm spending time with it. Uh, spending time with the inadequate stuff <laughs> of today, <laughs> it feels inadequate. It doesn't feel productive. But what you're saying is- That's actually right. Like tending's production here
0: right now, lives. It's like a garden. If you don't tend these seeds that are here now, they will die. Future seeds are invisible. They're like Jack's magic beans. Like they're not gonna turn into anything productive or beautiful or meaningful. And so those seasons of standing in the rain and actually paying attention to it is what changes the future, I think, because mm. it's acknowledging, oh, oh my goodness, look, look at what's been gifted to me, look what I've grown into, look what's changed. Mm-hmm. I think, and it's not just a matter of, you know, keeping a list necessarily, which is a good thing of, of gratitude and gifts, but it's actually proactively saying, how have I changed? Like, what is different in my life? What is different in my marriage? Like, what has changed between then and now where I am? These are steps that have happened, Mm -hmm. right? There's growth. I can actually measure growth. How wonderful that I can see that growth has taken place in my life. And it's a guarantee for growth in the future. And so, instead of just obsessing over what I want and how I don't know how to get there, it's helpful for me to look back at the rings in my life, kind of like a tree, and say, oh, I can mark this season. This Mm. happened, this changed. This was really bad and broken in my marriage. Mm. But look at me here five years later. I bear the rings of that season, but I have grown. Mm. I grew between then and now.
1: Isn't it interesting how much easier it is to desire things (laughs) or (laughs) achievements or houses (laughs) than it is to desire our own transformation our own growth yeah um and yet when you describe it I think oh or or when I think of like who I used to be in certain areas of my life I I feel that like oh yeah I want to go on changing I want to go on being transformed I want to keep becoming Mm. um you know new and then it, it does feel exciting, but it's not a natural, it's not the natural path I think my desires often take. right. Because looking back,
0: I can say, look at all this growth. That was so great. But then looking forward, I'm like, all I see is this pain and uncomforted and dissatisfaction. Right. I don't, I would never label it growth, right? Yeah. It's much harder to receive it when you're moving forward. And I think therein lies this challenge of, are we able to see our lives and our goals not just as things that we achieve, But growth that we're trying to go through and that Mm -hmm. we recognize that moving between stages in our lives, my here and my not yet, Mm -hmm. is going to require all the things that go with growth. You know, rain and storms and difficulty and challenge and pain. All of these things are part of Mm -hmm. what you go through when you weather through to the next season. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've become way too farming metaphorical
1: here. I have a bad influence on you. So are you... What? how do you feel about those bricks now? I mean, you know it's so funny how of course I
0: tell these tender stories about them now, right? Yeah. They've become meaningful markers in my life. They're milestones You now. wouldn't give them up. You wouldn't I erase don't that. I know that that's true. Yeah. I I'm not one of those who's like, "I wouldn't change right. anything yeah. in my life." If I could have had a beautiful house that yeah. that season in my life. I visited I would that have place. It. it it was it was a hard that was, it was a, a hard awful little house.
1: For
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ah, a little lighthouse. Yeah. Oh, but what I learned in that house, and I think the version of myself that stepped out of that house when we moved out, that's what I wouldn't trade. Yeah. You know, that version of me. And I I needed to leave some things behind in that house that it was Mm. a difficult season to be in filled with just a deep longing for something else the whole time. Mm. I wanted something else. Not only did I want it, I felt entitled to it. Mm. And then I felt angry that I didn't have it angry at God, resentful to other people who had what I wanted. And I remember, it's funny, I wasn't going to tell this, but I remember going through the season with God. And I was, you know, I just had my third baby. She was little. I was on maternity leave and getting ready to go back to work. So I kind of had this time still where I wasn't commuting or rushing off to a job. In the mornings, I was still home and around more And I would wake up in the morning. I kid you not, you guys. I felt like, metaphorically speaking, Jesus was sitting on the end of my bed every freaking morning. And he'd be like, oh, good, you're up. Let's talk about the house and how you're (gasps) so mad about it. Like, every morning, I would wake (laughs) up. And I feel like he'd be just delighted to, like, engage me on my dissatisfaction and sense of entitlement. And he was just like... I didn't experience him as like judgy or mad or like, you're so entitled. I just felt like he was like, yes, let's talk <gasps> more. Let's talk this thing out. Tell me all your wishes and dreams and how you feel I shafted you. you know. And it was just so wow. strange. I can picture it in my mind. We had painted this tiny little bedroom yellow. I feel like in retrospect, it was a bad choice. <laughs> and um, we had this bed that was essentially just a mattress, like no headboard and our you know, our, our pretty dresser was changing table and there was like dirty diapers everywhere. And I would wake up in exhaustion and there was Jesus like, yay, let's talk <laughs> about how much you hate your house and how much you resent me. Uh, <laughs> and it was just very, it was so interesting to believe in a God who isn't threatened by our dissatisfaction, uh, who is willing to engage the conversation we're having right now in our heads. And I think we feel like we have to hide those parts of ourselves yeah. from him. But he already knows. yeah. And there he was just delighted to have the conversation with me. And so I did. I would get up. I would be changing the baby, washing things, getting rid of dirty diapers, and just muttering to him. I would not call it praying. Mm. Just listing my reasons of why it was unfair that I didn't have a house yet, that we couldn't afford a house, that we had all this debt. I just rattled it all off. and I felt like Jesus was just there going, yeah, I know. Yeah, this rough. Just tell me about it. Keep telling me. Just lay it on me. And I, I'm i not joking. I spent months. It was months. It wasn't weeks. I spent months detoxing my anger and bitterness about mm. the season that I was in to a God who was just in it with me. I didn't sense he was trying to fix it. I didn't sense he was trying to cure me of it. And I certainly didn't sense that he was then going to give me my house once right. I learned my lesson.
1: <clears throat> or teach you a lesson. No. Or you He know, was just yeah. there. Hearing Aww. what I had to say, he mm-hmm. wasn't offended.
0: He was quite happy to receive it. But here's where I landed at the end of that. What was so interesting mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. is every now and again, I would open up my Bible because I would just be like, I remember this story about Jesus. Or I want to look up again what that said. And you guys, I'll just confess to you, I'm not super great at having a morning quiet time. I've really never done that consistently. I'm much more <laughs> relational and story-based. So as I'm praying or thinking, or I don't know, arguing slash complaining to God, I will sometimes be like, wait, what was that passage? What was that thing he did? And I remember reading this passage about Christ and when he came into the world, and it talks about how, I need to think of the quote now to make sure that I get it right. It says, you know, here he is, he's made God the firstborn, all of these things, everything is under him. But it says, he then came to earth, and there's a sentence that says, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Everything he was entitled to, he gave up. And he actually was entitled to it. If we believe Jesus is God, he is entitled to everything. But he voluntarily laid down what he was entitled to in order to be able to sit there on the end of my bed and receive my bitterness about what I felt I was entitled to in order to have that kind of intimacy with me. And by the end of that season, I came to a place in a relationship with a God where I really came to believe not only was I not entitled to a house, I wasn't even entitled to the sense of entitlement hmm. to have that house. And I know that's going to be a strange thing for some people to hear, but it's simply believing that there is a God who has given everything to us. None of it is ours to claim. We didn't build it or create it. I don't deserve what I have. I didn't choose where I was born or who my parents are. All of that was given to me including the three amazing children I had at that time and the restored and redeemed marriage and the janky rental house that was the perfect rent that we could afford and the perfect commute for my husband and an incredible new beginning for me as I discovered this ministry of ministering to women from my sofa in that janky living room at one in the morning. That season, every part of it was chock full of completely unentitled undeserved gifts Mm. from a God who wasn't afraid to hear me out on all the bitter things I feel like I still deserved. So I don't really have a neat bow at the end of the story, except to say, Christy and I really understand what it's like to be in a season of longing. And the only thing that has helped alleviate that is A, to remember to long for what I have, because that's easy. Look, here it is. You've got it. <laughs> that's a longing fulfilled. Yeah. And B, to long for a God who's not afraid of what I'm longing for. And He's just there hanging out with me in the middle of it, because longing for Him will always be a longing satisfied, always. And it will look different for you than for me than for Christy, mm-hmm. what that interaction with that God looks like in that longing, For me, it just looked like a series of very complaining months that ended up somehow Mm -hmm. in a deep satisfaction with what I had. And I don't know that I could chart it A to B except to say I was very honest with God about where I was. And then I think He was very honest back with me Mm. by showing me what I had.
1: This is so good. I think I, but I I bet I'm not the only one, have a tendency when I sense that maybe a desire— I worry that it's selfish mm. or that it's somehow not right or good. I just want to push it away, hide it, ignore it, not deal with it. Because it's bad, right? Mm, so get rid of it. Whereas I'm like, let me step my foot and demand this from you, <laughs> <Right>? God. <laughs> right. But I think both would be, actually, yours might actually be healthier. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but this, that's not good either. Because then I'm not, I'm not letting Jesus meet me there.
0: Right, And I think that's part of the rainstorm, right? Mm. We sit down at the table, and those farmers sat down in a drought. Everything they were longing for wasn't there. They didn't have it. They sat down in a drought, and they laid a table, and they ate together, and then the rain came. And it was so unexpected. And then they... They remember to sit in it yeah. and receive the gift
1: of it. It's such a gorgeous picture and gorgeous story. But I, I it was probably kind of messy. I mean I think it's right, like that's what, what I was, I was thinking. Too. Splashing and right, like
0: longings fulfilled are not always the way we expect them to be. Mm. And they can be shocking and awkward and uncomfortable sometimes, and it's easy to run away from them. And, I mean sometimes we can have big longings that are fulfilled in profound unexpected ways but we're so busy looking at the next thing we just we we're in danger of missing sitting in that moment. I mean it's yeah. one of the things I say to friends who have books coming out as they're in a panic about launch day. I always tell them wait Make sure today you plan a meal with your friends. Get offline, put your phone down, go out and celebrate this longing fulfilled, Mm. this beautiful dream realized. Mm. You must make time to do that on this day. You cannot spend all day today trying to pitch whatever the future version of this book is going to be. You have to sit and actually revel in the right now of a dream fulfilled.
1: I feel like that's inviting a little bit of eternity into the, the oh, time I bound, like you know. Yes. I think if if a dream or desire has its roots in God, then it has its roots in something that's just forever, oh, right? Something so lasting. Good. So when we rush on by, then we don't we miss that chance to let that that forever, that eternity, that you know, timeless aspect of it to enter what is just time (laughs) right i mean i do think you're right it's a way to
0: to stop time in those moments Mm -hmm. to say i Mm -hmm. won't be governed by whatever is next on my to-do list instead Mm -hmm. i choose to Mm -hmm. be present right now with these friends in this moment and this food or this tea Mm -hmm. that i would have (laughs) whatever that looks like this cucumber soup splashing all over me in order to recognize oh my goodness right now i'm in the middle of a rainstorm i don't want to miss it
1: Sometimes I do that by taking pictures. I took a picture of those yellow leaves. Did you really? Yeah. I love
0: that. I do that too. I take pictures of moments that seem very ordinary. And then I actually got this idea from you. I get them printed. My Instagram photos get printed out in albums because I love looking back like even two months ago and being like, oh my goodness, that was such a great day. That moment was so beautiful and meaningful and significant for me, even though it might just look like, you know, muddy (laughs) soccer cleats all over the back porch.
1: Right. Eternity. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, okay, let's invite, let's, okay, guys, we're going to invite you into this with us. Are you ready? So, here's what your, here's your assignment. Should mm-hmm. you choose to accept it this week? <laughs> Do that. Press pause on your right now and practice. Practice longing for what you already have, okay? Take a photograph, whatever that thing is. Maybe it's a book launch you just had, but maybe your kid just took his first steps. Maybe your kid just went on the potty, potty? I for was the first that, yeah. time and it's a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you just sold your home. Maybe you moved into you know, a smaller cottage because you've retired and you've always looked forward to the season of your life. Whatever that thing is. Maybe the sink is finally the empty Sink of dishes. Is in- <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Take a photograph of that and then God, tag they can share it. Right, yeah. Tag Christy or I on Instagram. So I am just Lisa Joe Baker and Christy is Christy Purifoy, yep. but it's C H R I S T I E. That's right. Purifoy, mm-hmm. P-U-R-I-F-O-Y and we'll link it in the notes and tag both of us and tell us here I am I'm longing for my present not my future I'm longing for my present which for kind of right sounds now. like you're longing for a gift I like that oh I like I'm that too for my oh, present oh that'd be so
1: much fun and then we can go we can see, see. we can yeah. see
0: so yeah tag Lisa Joe Baker or Christy and and do both of us Lisa Joe Baker and Christy Purifoy and if you want to so that everybody could see you could use our hashtag out of the ordinary podcast and then other readers readers i'm so used to talking right to book yeah. <laughs> other listeners can be encouraged by what your present looks like what is that mm-hmm. rainstorm you're in the middle of right now that rainstorm of completely ordinary amazing realized longings right now in your present so
1: that's good and we'll do it too we'll do it too and then
0: let's all enjoy dancing in the rain a little bit together i love it